If you will, please stand with me at the reading of God's perfect and inerrant word. We will be focusing this morning on verses uh, 12 through 15 of Colossians chapter 3. Just to, to give us some context, I want to start in verse 1. The Holy Spirit says to us through the Apostle Paul, If then you, Grand Bible Church, have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, Humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. You may be seated. This family cannot flourish unless you are faithful to your chores. This family cannot flourish unless you are faithful to your chores. Kelly and I preach that message every week in our home. We, at various points every week, say to our children this message, this family cannot flourish if you are not faithful to your chores. This family needs 
so much in order for us to function and in order for us to love one another well, in order for us to accomplish together the things that our family values, we need you to take part in the things that have to make this happen. It cannot be done by me and Kelly. So, kids, when you get up, do not spend your day on you. Before you even start to play, you should honor the Lord. And you should honor the Lord by honoring your family. You get bowls. You get cereal. You get milk. You pour the milk and the cereal. You get spoons. You fill the kids' drinks. You make daddy's coffee. You fill mommy's water. Sounds like we have 38 kids. I mean, it's close. Yeah. And then after you eat, before you spend your day on you, you fill yourself up with energy so that you can serve the Lord by serving your family. So then you wash the dishes. You put the dishes in the dishwasher. You clean the counter. You clean off the table. You sweep the floor. And all of you brush your teeth. And then those who are in school, you start school. You do that before you play. You do that before you start building these habits of spending your life on you. This family cannot flourish if you are not faithful to your chores. What I want us to see this morning as we dip into the book of Colossians is right after Paul explains the redemption of Christ. That's what he's doing in chapter 1 and chapter 2. He's explaining the redemption of Christ. I want you to notice, this is a big observation, that in chapter 3, right after he explains the redemption of Christ, right after he explains the peacemaking blood of Christ, what he then does is he gives out the expectations for your relationships in the church. He explains, look at the text, he explains in chapters 1 and 2, The redemption of Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ, you treat one another a certain way. There are expectations that the Lord Jesus purchasing you by His blood has for you and His family. We are to maintain peace with one another. So a couple of weeks ago, we started in Psalm 133 and with this statement that is, is still what we're kind of unpacking. Heaven's pilgrims live in harmony. Don't you see? It's not just the message of Psalm 133. It's the message of the New Testament as well. The gospel truth is heaven's pilgrims live together now. We're not waiting for heaven. We live together now in harmony. Verse 15, Colossians 3, we are called to be controlled by the peace of Christ. Controlled. Christ bled to make peace. You be controlled by that in your relationships in the church. That, you could say, is your is, is the overarching summary of your chore in God's house. 
you are to maintain peace. But to pursue that call, Paul gave us a list of smaller chores in verses 5 through 14. Did you see that? This is how you do it. I want to appeal to you that something you would be wise to start your every morning on, to break the habits of spending your day on you, is to start your mornings doing this. Praying for grace to do this. And he says, he uses the language of getting up in the morning and getting dressed. Clothe yourself, put on, clothe yourself with a new character. That old sinful self, gone, dead. The family of God flourishes when all the siblings faithfully tend to these chores. Get in the habit, pilgrim. Every morning, consciously pray for and start doing this. Put on daily the personality of a peacemaker. If we are going to be a peace-maintaining, a peacemaking church that preaches a gospel of peace, a gospel that has a king, a true outpost embassy of heaven. If we're going to be that kind of church, then each one of our members has to put on six personality traits that we see in verses 12 through 14. The whole sermon is talking about the six personality traits of a peacemaker in verses 12 through 14. The first one is put on compassion. If you're going to be someone who wants the community to know that the gospel that's preached from this pulpit is not denied by our lives. You have to be someone who daily puts on compassion. You've been raised from spiritual death with Christ. And so he says, you should live a certain way, and it's a a life that puts to death The old you that is not compassionate. Before Christ, you're not compassionate. You're callous toward the experience and the welfare of other people. Listen to me. Listen to me. It will be very difficult to be a peacemaking child of God and be macho. Be careful in our West Texas tough guy, oil field, mind your own business culture. The call to maintain peace in the church is the call away from worshiping worshiping your personal space. You cannot be a person who takes no interest in other people. You cannot be a person who gags over TMI. Who just wants to keep people at a distance, give your little pleasantries at the door, but never dig deep into what someone else is going through because that's uncomfortable. You're too macho.
can deal with it. I'll deal with my own stuff. Mind your own business. That's antichrist. You will not be a peacemaker if you are self-centered. If you are obsessed with what you are dealing with, you just come here to get filled up and leave. The first quality of peacemakers is to put on the bowels of mercy. That's the way the King James puts it. Very colorful, the King James. The bowels of mercy. They they just put it this plainly. um, Talk about TMI. To be moved in your bowels with mercy. Genuine, not fake. Oh, not fake. Plastic, but really tender-hearted, where you are easily moved deep down by the sorrowful condition and circumstances of somebody else other than you. You're not someone who always just has prayer requests for you. Compassion. Come with passion. With passion. Feeling with someone else what they are feeling. A Christian regularly gets the feels. A Christian regularly gets the feels over what our brothers and sisters are experiencing. It is one of the key family resemblances in the household of God. That's why this description, this personality trait is so regularly used of God himself. The son of God. Imagine the son of God. Not having bowels of mercy. Imagine the Son of God. Mind your own business. I'll take care of mine. Imagine the Son of God. Seeing you. Dying in your sins. And not being stirred with compassion. So that He says, give me a body. Give me blood. Give me a cross. And then... Because that is so good. He makes all of his brothers and sisters just like him in that. Heaven's pilgrims live in harmony when we feel deeply for one another. The second thing every morning you should put on in putting on the personality of peacemaking is kindness. Put on kindness. The church of Colossae was a mixed family. You see that in verse 11. Paul is saying, hey, I understand you Jews consider you Greeks to be dogs. That's that's, that's the old self. I understand the old self. I understand that you Greeks consider the Jews to be barbarians. But here, in our church, no more. I understand the way you used to look at Scythians. I understand the way the world looks at Scythians. They have this reputation for being savage warriors. I understand that Scythians, the rest of the society does not trust them. I understand that. Here, none of that. I understand that outside of the church, males devalue females. I understand that slaves have no reason to really trust the free. Not here. No more. Our church is a mixed family. It's a mixed family. 
And if we do not devote ourselves to the chore of putting on kindness, kindness, then we will have older members who are tempted toward resenting the younger families who require so much service, so much child care, so much attention. We will have homeschoolers internally feeling proud we will have members who are comparing what other advantages that other members have financially or vocationally or in their family or whatever they'll be comparing those things and they won't have kindness there's diversity in our family we're a mixed family we're we're a mixed family not just physically we're a mixed family spiritually We have people who are gifted in mercy and other people who are not gifted in mercy. We have some people who are gifted in discernment. And it doesn't feel very merciful sometimes when they give us our discernment. We have people who will be tempted to wish that others will be strong in the ways that we're strong. Or will despise other people who are gifted with the gifts that we want. We want to be, uh, have the gift of faith and not doubt so much. We want to have the gift of teaching and be able to help people in that way. And we, we don't like that the Lord has just chosen to give us the behind-the-scenes kind of thankless gift of service. We're a different family. We're, we're mixed. We're, we're varied. We, we struggle with different kinds of sins. And if we're not kind... We will naturally be more tolerant with those who struggle in the same ways we do. We will be harsh when people sin in ways that we cannot understand. Don't you see how natural it is for Paul to observe malice, put it away, put away. Where we're secretly malicious or we wish ill of of others or we cannot rejoice when Others have things going well for them. Beloved, let the peace of Christ dwell in you. Let it rule your hearts. Let in your hearts the peace of Christ be the King. Let the kindness of the Lord Jesus toward people who were all completely different and completely offensive to Him lead you to put away all malice and to put on the kindness of Christ like you're putting on a jacket in the morning. Wear the disposition of wanting the benefit of others. Seek to help others generously, especially those who are different from you. Third, Paul says, put on humility. If you're going to be a peacemaker, you have to put on humility. You can't Be a peacemaker if you're not consciously, prayerfully, graciously putting on a humility that you do not naturally have. Put on humility. Put off your pride. You're proud. I'm proud. But Philippians says the church should have, should hold, should possess should obtain, should act out of the mind of Christ and not out of our mind. And when Philippians describes the mind of Christ, Paul says, it is a mind that is humble 
And the way that Christ's mind was humble is that his mind and his ambitions and his plans were all aimed at the good of others. Jesus was ambitious. Not the kind of ambition that so many of us who are proud are ambitious about. We're we're ambitious to build our kingdoms. We're ambitious to build up our pleasures or whatever. Jesus was ambitious to treat others as they be, they were more significant than himself. That's why the son of God who does not have a body, who does not have blood says, I'm going to consider them more significant than me staying in heaven with my father, with the worship of the angels, I will go down to them. And he came down and he made himself obedient in order to save sinners. He had to obey a command of his father to die and not just to die, but even to die on a cross. To be ashamed. To have the wrath of God poured out upon him, the mock of sinners poured out upon him to not fight back in any way, but to absorb all of their cruelty and absorb all of God's anger, his personal anger toward his people's sins. He bore it all. And then God raised him from the dead and raised him even higher to the right hand of God the Father. And he gave him a name that is above every name. And one day, all creatures of our God and King will bow the knee to him. And so I implore you, by the mercies of Christ, if you are not bowing the knee and confessing with your lips that Christ, the humble King, is your King and worthy of your life, then do it now. Turn from your pride and serve Christ. Set your mind on service. Believers, set your mind on service. That's the mind of Christ. Humility is not thinking Less of yourself. Let's be very careful. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. There's a way to think about it that way that's unhelpful. You may be a self-deprecator. I have said that I have the spiritual gift of self-deprecation. To think less of yourself. There's a way to do that and it's just pride. It's just pride. It's not humility because you're thinking about yourself. Just keep thinking about yourself. Keep comparing yourself and saying you don't match up. Well, what you're thinking on, you're setting your mind on yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Not thinking necessarily less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less because you are not thinking about yourself because you're interested in stooping low to serve, to serve, to bless others rather than making a name for yourself. Put on humility, beloved. Put to death all your concern with what you have coming to you from your brothers and sisters. Put it to death. Put it to death. That's the old self. You've been raised with Christ. Stop thinking at all about what they owe you. Or what they are doing for you. Your mind should not be set on those things. You put that to death. That is self-worship. Why won't they serve me? Why won't they do this for me? I'm tired of doing this for them. Stop worshiping yourself. A church filled with humble 
servants will be a peaceful church. Think about this. What is a peaceful church? It's a church that's filled with people who think of themselves less to serve one another. How peaceful would that kind of church be? How peaceful would our church be if all of our members put off the what have you done for me lately kind of attitude and put on the how can I serve? How can I serve? How can I get low? How can I work for your good? How can I relieve you of this children's ministry serving slot? Uh, No, I don't want you to relieve me of that. I want to relieve you of that. I want you to be here in worship. What if we were striving in that kind of way to outdo one another in honor? I want your good. I think that biting one another, which too regularly defines churches, Biting one another, striving and dividing will disappear. And that kind of church, other people will see and they'll say, that must be what heaven looks like. Heaven has come down. The Savior has done a work. And then, number four, put on meekness. Fourth thing to put on daily, if you're going to be a peacemaker, is meekness. Meekness. In lots of homes, everyone who lives in that home becomes an expert eggshell walker. In that home, people learn by experience, do not talk to daddy while the game is on. In that kind of home, You can see it on the kid's face whenever mommy sees ketchup was spilled on their shirt. And wrath is also poured out too often in the church. In the family of God, members can learn how to deal with each other. They can learn that the other members or certain Ones of them are not meek. That certain topics are taboo. You try to speak the truth in love to some people. You try to call them with the word of Christ. And they will bite your head off. So Paul says that peacemakers have the personality of meekness, which is a softness that is strong. It's a kind of strengthened softness. It's a kind of trust in the Lord that makes us gentle. It's opposed to harsh hostility. Are you someone who's warm? Or would others experience you as cold? Are you someone who takes sincere interest in others? Or are you someone who is curt, choppy, indifferent toward others? The Lord Jesus was meek. The Lord Jesus was not weak. He was not easily defended or offended. And his brothers and sisters are like him. Number five, put on patience. Put on patience. Every day, if you're going to be a peacemaker, you should put on 
patience. And understand that patience is only proven in one kind of circumstance. Patience is only proven in one kind of circumstance, and that's the circumstance of provocation. Provocation. It means you're provoked, and then you're patient when you're provoked. Pilgrims are patient, just like heaven's God is patient. How much does God put up with in His children? How long does He wait on His children to mature? To be patient, one man says, is to have small toes. Small toes. Not big toes that are really easy to step on. But small toes of a person who is not quick to get angry. Who's not quick to take an offense. But who suffers long despite being provoked over and over again. When you've been wronged and hurt many times. Verse 13, then Paul gives the how for for putting on patience. I think this is in verse 13. How do we put on patience? And I think verse 13 is probably describing how we, we put on the rest of the peacemaking personalities as well. It is through forbearance and through forgiveness. How can I do this? At the heart of being all of these compassionate, kind, humble, meek, patient, is a heart that forbears and a heart that forgives. It is a Christ gospel-shaped heart. Forbearance is the word for tolerance. It's tolerance. John MacArthur does help us here and explains what tolerance is for. Tolerance is for people. It's not for truth. We're not talking about being tolerant about lies and falsehood. We're not talking about people being false teachers or or spreading lies in the church and just being tolerant of your brother and sister. They're just a little bit off on that. No, we're not tolerant when it comes to God's perfect, true word. If we lie about His word, we are lying about Him. We're not tolerant for that, but we are tolerant for people. To be fully tolerant for people. And united churches have members with a high tolerance for personal offenses. High tolerance for personal offenses. And you just imagine, maybe you've had experience with a not-so-peaceful church. There is not a high tolerance for personal offense. Isn't that true? Isn't that exactly what you see? Everyone's getting offended at one another. I'm leaving. I, I'll, I'll create my own sub-church within this big church, and we'll, we'll do our thing and don't have anything to do with those people. You have to have a high tolerance for being personally hurt. We must be a people who endure misunderstandings. We must be a people who endure outbursts of unkindness. We must be a people who allow for other people to have bad days. We must be a people who give permission to others 
when they unintentionally hurt us. We forbear. To put it another way, we put up with. We overlook offenses. You don't have to address every single wrong. You don't have to carry your offense for every single wrong. Some people carry their offense for every single wrong and don't address any of them. It's bitter. Don't be that kind of person. If you're a type A person or if you're a naturally aggressive person, you need to put off the old self. Don't, don't tell me, I'm just a type A leading kind of person. I'm just an aggressive kind of deal with the situation kind of person. I can't ignore things. I've got to deal with it. Put off the old self. And be a person who forbears. And be a person who forgives. Forgiveness is cherished in a peaceful family. Forgiveness is cherished in a peaceful family. Every family member cherishes and practices forgiveness. You cannot be united to a secretive or fake person. It's not unity. You cannot be united with facades. Unity requires closeness. And closeness will result in trust given and then trust broken. How has the Lord treated us for breaking His trust? He has forgiven us. He paid that debt. He didn't require us to pay it. He is the one. The pain didn't just go away. It was born. He carried the pain. At the heart of peace-filled churches is radical, spirit-enabled, pain-bearing, punishment-paying forgiveness for every sin committed against one another. No limits, Jesus says. No limits. And sixth and finally, Paul reminds us that if we are going to be a peacemaker, then we have to have a certain kind of personality. And what we need to clothe ourselves with is the characteristic of love. Look again in verse 14. And above all of these. Above all of these. But then also binding together all of these. Above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You might can do a little bit of compassion temporarily, sporadically. You might be able to be kind sometimes to some people. You might be humble on certain days. You might be able to be gentle in certain moments. You might have patience with certain kinds of sins that people commit against you. But you will not do them all. And you will not do them perfectly unless you love one another. It is love. That makes us, we love each other so we feel for each other. It is love that makes us want to be kind and want good for one another. It is love that says, I'm not going to try to put myself on your level. I want to serve you. It is love that says, I'm going to be gentle whenever you're harsh with me. It is love that says, I don't want to break this. 
I love you. I'll be patient with you. I'll forbear. I'll forgive the thread that connects each piece of these clothing, this wardrobe, you could say, that we put on every day, what binds every bit of the unity, what is above all needed for perfect harmony in the church is love. Don't you see that he's contrasted that with the old self, the old self lusts. The old self lusts. Put off lust. And I mean that, I mean that literally, and I mean that habitually. Don't lust. Don't look at others as objects. Don't look at others as objects who can please you, objects who can serve you, objects that if they do not do what you want them to do, you're done with them. Don't look at them like that. If they fail me, They haven't satisfied me. They haven't worshipped me. Stop lusting. Love. Love your brothers and sisters. That's what love is. Giving yourself up for them. If you love them, you will not give up on them. You will give yourself up for them. You'll give up your person or your, your, uh, 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 your reputation. You'll give up your, the convenience of your time. You'll give up your money for them. You will Give up for them. You will not give up on them. Even when they keep hurting. If you love them. If you love them. If you love them. It's a big if. Do you love them? If you love them, you won't slander them. You won't talk to another brother or sister in a negative way about that other brother or sister that tempts them. Can you believe what mommy did? Can you believe what daddy did? What is, what, what, what's that kind of language do to the heart of that person? No, I can't believe what they did. You're not helping them honor the family. You're not loving them. If you don't love them, you're of the devil. You're of the devil. You're Cain. That's what John said. Are your brothers and sisters, their life and relationship with the Lord, more important to you than your own? Are you serving their interests? God is love. He loved the world. And so he gave. He didn't give up. He gave his son up. And his son, we are told over and over again, loved us. And therefore he gave himself up for us. And the family of God is filled with love for one another. And so we worship our God of love, by loving one another and striving for peace. Heaven's pilgrims live together in harmony. Father in heaven, we pray that you would make us this kind of people. We're asking you to do it because we can't do it. Each one of us fails in so many ways. At the heart of it is a lack of love. At the center of it, it's hearts that have not been shaped by your love. And so we pray for love. That the peace of Christ might rule in our hearts and rule in this church. Make us disciplined to put on the personalities of a peacemaker. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.